0: You're listening to Our Evolution with Linda Damita, unscripted conversations from the heart with everyday thought leaders and great minds of our time that assist the global community on its healing journey towards conscious living and positive change. Because our evolution is a revolution, a revolution of love.
1: Our evolution is a revolution.
0: Every person seeks to feel empowered, whether they realize it or not. We seek it through outside influences, like getting approval from our parents or our partners, being seen as successful or achieving something great. And through social media approval, you know, if we get enough thumbs up and accolades, we feel, you know, somehow better about ourselves, but finding our power or self-love isn't truly found through those channels. Now, Steven Henderson is a Sedona local who has a magical way of nurturing and facilitating the process of empowering women through his abilities as a photographer and as a mystic. Not a common combination found in most humans, but Steven is very special and has a story of success. And in the midst of that success, he went through a physical accident creating personal trauma and loss that led to what we call the dark night of the soul. And that took him on a journey seeking to slay the demons within himself and find his way out of the tremendous cycle of pain he was in. He was gracious enough to share this journey with us and uh, we really hope that you find great inspiration from this man's experience. Here's the interview with Steven Henderson the art of beauty photography enjoy welcome my dear friend stephen thank you so much for being here today first of all and taking this time to connect
1: absolute pleasure
0: thank you sir so i would like to begin this episode by offering a testimonial of my experience with you as a photographer and as a person So, you know, Sedona's become a spiritual home to a large percentage of our local population. And certainly for the nearly 4 million visitors, you know, who visit per year, there's this quest to find healing and meaning in people's lives. And that's why they're drawn here to this area. And there are a lot of alternative health practitioners, you know, ranging from Reiki masters to acupuncturists, sound healers, you know, chakra cleansers, psychic healers, you name it. And... There are few, though, who use their talents the way you do, that offer a healing experience through a modality such as photography. And I had the immense pleasure of having a photo session with you, and it was not only loads of fun, but the final product just it left me looking at the image of myself with such amazement that it was me, you know, in the photo. And I've been in front of cameras my whole life. And I was a professional model from like 14, the age of 14 to 30, you know. So I, I but I've never I'm, I I never did a have a photo session that left me feeling the way I did after spending the day with you in your studio and you've created a space that beckons the inner goddess, the inner warrior woman, the inner queen of a woman and the way you support and engage with your clients is remarkably compassionate and aware and kind that's very valuable to me personally and you you really do see the beauty in your subjects and you you help them to feel their beauty in a way that surpasses their external appearance I'm so grateful that I have these photos of myself because it's like this reflection of a mystical part of me that I know is there, but I actually get to see it in the final product. And I just love the images and I'm really excited, really excited to share with the world what you have to offer. So the thing is, your background is the catalyst for the amazing art that you create and why you're able to create such a magical experience for women. So that being said, Let's start with your childhood a little, you know, this started for you a long time ago and you had. Upon a time. Yes.
1: So, yeah, um, I sort of got into photography at a very young age, um, sort of, and this is obviously way, way before the digital era where everybody's got phones. And I was actually had a little box brownie roll roll film camera when I was about eight years old. And it was amazing to go through old family eight millimeter movies and discover there's actually footage of me in Scotland at eight years old, posing my elder sister on some rocks, taking photographs way back. So yeah, lifetime. Lifetime has been a, a sort of having a passion for capturing the moment, I think is very important. Everybody talks about how it important is, is to be present in the moment but also there's a, a, a magic to the fact of capturing that as in your photo shoot <coughs> it's like you know that those are pressure moments and they they're there and then they're gone and so to actually have something that you have that you can come back to and relive the energy of that moment is is being a passion of mine on many levels throughout my life
0: and from the standpoint of being in front of your camera it's very satisfying it's unusually satisfying for for, to have that experience i think it's something that many of us seek and you actually make that happen for your subject so going back to your childhood now didn't you get a scholarship to to go to to go to uh was it an art school
1: it was to art school, yeah. I had a place to go on a three-year photographic course, and it was something I worried about. It. So I wasn't sure whether it's actually the right direction to go. I actually had already had a weekend job working in a record shop, and I got used to earning some money, and that was nice. And and um, I sort of the questioning of it was like the whole idea of going to art school to be critiqued about how you should express yourself artistically didn't resonate with me at the time. It's like, oh, what am, what, why do I need someone else to tell me that this is right or this is wrong? And what actually ended up, I actually got a job running a photographic shop. Perfect. Uh, which gave me access to the technology at the time. And I actually learned more hands-on in the photographic shop than I would have at the college. And I actually had students who would have been on the same course as mine coming in asking me for advice (laughs) and at that point i knew i'd taken the right decision so and so so i became self-taught and having access to being able to borrow all the latest equipment and play with it and experiment and you know that's the best way to learn anything is to actually do it
0: absolutely so how did you end up getting into fashion i mean what how old were you when that happened
1: well, again, when I was working the camera shop, had all these cameras, and you know, started taking pictures of girlfriends around town, and then that led to a local hairdresser wanted some promotional shots, and so I started shooting for them, and you know, pre- producing sort of what was their publicity images, and that then you know, opened doorways. All of a sudden, I was shooting for <coughs> a couple of dozen of different hairdressers all over the south of England. And then that expanded into into London. And then from that point, uh, because my work was being published in a lot of the beauty magazines, um, opened the doorway to start working with the hair product companies. And before I kn- kn- knew it, you know, I was shooting for L'Oreal, Weller, Schwarzkopf, and not only just doing editorial, but also started shooting uh, advertising for them. Which then introduced me to the model agencies in London, because you're casting for your shoots, and you know just a slow graduation of you know sort of getting success through being able to produce high quality work that was you know accepted by your clients, and they would always want to come back and shoot with you and do more.
0: How how long were you in the fashion industry doing what? Oh you
1: my did? goodness! I mean, if I had it, it was pr- probably about twenty five years. Wow. Yeah.
0: Can we still see your work somewhere? Like is it archived somewhere?
1: Um, well, this is a, another part oh, yeah. of the story. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll save that one.
0: So you were in fashion for like 25 years and then something happened to you.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's like my, my career was progressing and from doing the, the beauty products and the hair products uh, got into the fashion, more of the fashion and retail, and started working for Harvey Nichols, Louis Vuitton, and <coughs> Spree was became a big client of mine. They would actually fly from New York to shoot with me in London, which was pretty amazing with all the choice of photographers in New York. I guess they must have liked me. Yeah, I can <laughs> see why. <laughs> and So I was doing international advocat- Advertising campaigns, you know, study, stu- and because of that, we're shooting with a lot of the supermodels of the time, um, because they've been used in these campaigns. And uh, yeah, then on my 40th birthday, had a trip to Venezuela to an old island called Marguerite I was uh, very much into my windsurfing. That's one of the windiest places on the planet, and I actually ended up having an accident which was pretty severe on the windsurfer, I hit sandbar. I nearly lost my foot. I actually absolutely shattered all the bones in my ankle. My foot was hanging off, uh. which then took me on a completely different journey. I was eight months in a wheelchair with my leg elevated. And from that point, I lost all the muscle in my leg I had to sort of learn how to walk again. And then the doctors over a six, or the surgeons over an s- a eight-year period, I had six corrective operations, <coughs> which that ended up with me being in plaster for five years and on crutches for five years out of those eight years, which was pretty amazing. And they were taking bone grafts off my hip and trying to just save my foot, which ended up with sort of having the last operation i had counseling because they weren't sure they could save my leg or my foot so they would have to cut my leg off and i didn't know whether i'd be coming out of this operation with a leg so that's quite interesting but i mean the the downside of that all the worst thing was that it was a period where i was in chronic pain for all that eight years and i was on a prescribed medication (coughs) and i became dependent on opiates And morphine and the doctors you know I go back and say I'm still in pain they give you more and more dosage and say take this take that and then it ended up antidepressants sleeping pills and then what happened I went completely psychotic um, and totally disconnected from consensus reality of everybody around me it's like that as you mentioned the dark night of the soul it's like (coughs) that that was my doc. Did night you
0: know? Episode. Did you know that you were spinning out? Did you know that?
1: No. Had no idea.
0: But looking had back no now, like do you have memory of of how that happened for you?
1: It was a slow and gradual process. I mean, uh, originally, yes, the opiates, you know, you, you get a bit of a buzz, but that was like all of prescribed medication. It's only really good for short term. And I was on it for Eight years and within that you know when I lost the plot and became psychotic and literally I was in a completely different reality to everybody else around me my wife for 18 years my friends my family my experiences you know as real as it is sitting here with you today were completely different to what they were experiencing and so it was it was uh, very very hard and doctors you know sent me to a psychiatrist and uh, that was the tipping point for me because all they did is prescribe more medication so they didn't As send you to psychiatrist right psychiatrist yeah. is psychiatry yeah. is very different than yeah. therapy Yes. Yeah, therapy exactly. so was yeah.
0: that the low point for you
1: that was the complete low point, yeah. It was a complete low point of it's like, you know, I refused to take the medication. It's like, the, and then I actually sort of wanted to check out of reality altogether. That's when I became completely suicidal and just wanted to get the hell out of it.
0: Did you, it did you ever attempt?
1: Not attempt.
0: But you were there. You were in that space. I
1: was, I was you know, I was it's such a mess. I was like spending, the, at that point, I was a crying mess on the floor on my own it was you know it was it was not not pleasant Mm. it's not an experience i would want anybody to experience
0: well when you were suicidal i remember you mentioning that you wanted to leave no trace
1: that's correct yeah it's like I i i just sort of um got to a point of like yeah i just want to get out of here and and destroy all traces of my existence
0: like what
1: <coughs> like all my photography i sort of also was a music producer and made made music and i just pulled everything together and made a big bonfire <coughs> and the back that's back in the day when you know photography was transparency and negatives and everything and it was like i had years and years worth of of <coughs> photographs and i just made a big fire and were you it.
0: by yourself was you were yeah yes Wow! So nobody knew that you were doing
1: this. I could have become the burning man <laughs> of the UK. I could have thrown myself on the fire, but I didn't. Oh,
0: thank God! Thank God you yeah. didn't. So, think... so then your marriage ended, right?
1: It well, not exactly. Then it's like but the part of the story was is like from that that point of despair in my life, I was on uh, Amazon looking for some music, and that's when sort of this random magic started happening in my life, and this sort of, uh, uh, in the search for music, this random book came up that had nothing to do with my search, which was actually called Healing Yourself Through Haitian Voodoo, which at the time, it's like, oh, that sounds interesting. S- and, and I ordered the book, which was by Ross Heaven, and then after reading the book, I discovered Ross actually lived just down the road. <laughs> and I'd, I really enjoyed the book because it's like not Hollywood voodoo, it's Haitian, it's all about nature's spirits and the healing of nature. And so I called up Ross and made an appointment and that was the turning point. <laughs> Within half an hour of sitting with Ross, he made sense of it all, uh, the psychosis and you know the, the mind reality and sort of how I had created my experience and that started a journey where Ross as a herbalist sort of helped me wean myself off all the medication.
0: Using herbs.
1: Using herbs. So Her- herbal alternatives and you know, gently doing it small pieces at a time. You know, sort of yeah, so you didn't have that cold turkey and it's also, you know, you you are always balancing out from what was very heavy doses of everything. You know, sleeping pills, antidepressants, as I say, the opiates, the ha- hands handfuls every day. You know, <laughs> so that was a long process. Say long. I mean, if we only spent three by three mo- months working with Ross. I Actually, we myself off all the medication, but most important thing is the psychology aspect of it of learning how to rewire the brain to not. Um, <laughs> not to to uh, not recognize the pain. The pain was still there, and the pain's still there today. But he taught me how to disconnect association. So if I sit here and think my ankle hurts, it wouldn't take long for me to be sitting here with pain. But that's part of you know the magic of the journey of the mind. Mind creates reality, mind c- and, and experience. And so, Ross taught me how to think different.
0: Who would have thought that's voodoo?
1: <laughs> right, but <laughs> well, you know, but he—I mean—he wasn't just the voodoo. He, he he studied with indigenous cultures all around the world. So you know, he was a master of his art, and that's just one one aspect that he shared through his book but sadly he passed a few years ago he's no longer with mm. us, but his books are still out there and they're very interesting
0: and didn't uh didn't he take you on a trip
1: he did we he actually was putting together a trip to go to the amazon and this is about 20 years ago now um and uh we were going to or what well we did but a small group of us about 10 of us went to just above Akitos into with the Shipibo. And this is before the sort of ayahuasca tourism, tourism came in. Um, we actually just prepared, we, we actually did diet and mental preparation and doing the inner work for months before we actually went out there. We were out there for a couple of weeks before we even touched any aspect of ayahuasca. But that led to 13 consecutive nights of ayahuasca ceremony. That's a lot. Which, which freed my doctor out because, you know, at the same point, uh, she still knew me as being the psychotic patient, and she freaked out when I said I was going to go to the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Little did she know.
0: <laughs> so, but you said to me, I mean, 13 nights of ayahuasca, I mean, I've, I've done a few journeys myself, and the most was four. In a, and that wasn't even in a row that we had one night off in between two we did two one night off and two and then the second time I journeyed we did three in a row and that was intense and that wasn't in the Amazon so you had said that the first night was the most important for you
1: um that 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 on the journey to this moment yes I mean every single night was amazing but the actual message I got in the first night was the key so what, what was to, that message? What happened? Um, it's just vision it, within the sort of, w- we're very blessed to uh, actually back in that time, we actually, for 10 of us, we had four medicine people, uh, three Shipiba and one from the next door tribe were sitting there looking after us. And uh, sort of you're under strong instructions not to leave the ceremonial space without one of your medicine people or guides with you and sort of through the sort of visions which I personally was having uh, with that experience, um, uh, I actually sort of came across the Grim Reaper who became my guide, which was all very fascinating. And sort of he was showed up as the Grim Reaper with his cloak and a skull face and the scythe and the bony finger pointing or beckoning me to... Step outside the hut and follow him. And which it I,
0: wasn't frightening to you?
1: No, at the time, no. I c- I couldn't resist. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is interesting. This, so I did. I got up. I left the hut. I walked around to the back of the hut where there's a little clearing. And sort of that's where I sort of I I started sort of some sense kicked in. It's like because he started wandering across the clearing into the into the jungle and thinking, okay, I'm not going to wander off. But it happened to be four little, well, quite big logs at the back of the hut. And so I decided to sit on one and sort of just take in the moment. And uh, that's where it, it got really interesting with the visions and the experience. And he was standing on the edge of the clearing sort of, and then all of a sudden looking at me, this plasma came out of him. Came out of his eyes and his hands and it came over to me. And uh, oh the missing part of this is a very important part is like before this happened, I was sitting on one of the logs. There's three other logs in front of me, but these had turned into dead women wearing black dresses so th- at my feet. So
0: you're sitting on a log, yep. and across from you, there are three other logs that in your vision turned into deceased like dead De- women dead women wearing all black
1: wearing all black at my feet okay at my feet which freaked me out when I saw it originally and that's when the plasma started coming out the grim reaper and it sort of came over to me and it sort of came up to my face and was like sort of <laughs> you
0: say plasma was it like um like when uh Darth Vader said you know I am your father and then the then the his his uh Guy came over and was like shooting, like you know, electricity, kind of like that.
1: A bit bit more slimy. Oh, (laughs) a bit more slimy, not
0: as electrical,
1: (laughs) not as electrical. It was more like an organic material. Oh, my, yeah, very organic, in fact. Yeah, so it's like a sort of plasma slime. Mm. But anyhow, so that uh, you know, sort of sitting there, and this is all in my face, and then all of a sudden, it sort of attached to me. And then at that moment, the sort of plasma shot out of me and went into what was in the vision, these three dead women on the floor shooting out. And and then they sort of started sprouting sprouts and which became beautiful flowers. It's like a wildlife sort of sped up blossoming of flowers and they all sort of three dead girls turned into flowers. And I looked up, Grim Reaper had gone, and looked back down on the ground, three locks, walked back into the hut, sort of had the rest of the ceremony. And then the next day, my my actual personal uh, medicine person sort of sat with me and through interpretation was telling me all about sort of he had seen the vision also, He'd seen the flowers, and the message was saying, "You have the power to bring women back to life, which at the time thought well, you yeah, interesting like <laughs> but it did make y- a lot yeah, of sense. you're like, okay, so yeah. I bring dead so women back to
0: life. What does that mean yeah,
1: but yeah. and it, but it was very specifically women, which was interesting, and so you know sort of that was the first night we had for four, for twelve twelve um consecutive nights after that of visions and different and everyone was different and amazing but 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 death never visited you again not again no
0: wow so through death you saw healing and new life
1: Yeah, which was interesting from sort of not being very far from a point where I was suicidal. It's like, you know, I was a little bit confused. It's like, you know, is this message about me coming back to life from where I was being at that point I wanted to check out? And it's like it it didn't make a lot of sense. But at that point, that's when I went back to the UK and sort of got fascinated by not only sort of what, what Ross was sharing, but sort of also the holistic medicine, the alternative medicine, magic, um, you know, sort of ceremony that I'd been experiencing. So I went through a process of selling a house, sadly went through a divorce because I just wasn't in a place previous to that to hold a, r- a relationship together, because I was so psychotic, you know, I lost, <laughs> I lost that. went down to suitcases, two suitcases, went back to South America, Spent more time in the Amazon, and then that led me up through Mexico, and then had amazing experiences in Mexico studying with IFA with with what? So IFA, which is a Cuban version of Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, <out>. um, and uh, IFA Santa Maria. I mean, just ma- a crazy, crazy experiences, you know. And, and again, I was still partially psychotic. You know, so it's like my experience of life. It actually took me over ten years to really be able to tune into consensus reality, if not longer. And I think there's still aspects of myself which haven't fully come back from that place. So it was pretty fresh journey from psychosis and sort of having all these crazy experiences and disconnected to having ayahuasca ceremonies which blew another aspect, many, many other aspects wide open. And then to go on a sort of a walkabout, studying magic and all all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. And I mean, just unbelievable. Everybody says to me, why don't you write a book? And it's like, I haven't got time. You know, like I'm busy. I'm too busy. You're busy I'm bringing busy. women
0: back to life. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, not just women now. It's like expanded from that point. But no, it's amazing. There came up through Mexico, which then brought me into America, and had introductions into a lot of native. Well, not a lot, but quite a few, through magical again connections, experiences with some of the Native American tribes, <coughs> which I was tested. Uh, They have a great sense of humor. What does
0: that mean, you were tested?
1: Well, um, their humor for people, and especially a culture that has been taken advantage of, they're very suspicious of anybody who sort of comes into ceremony or into the fold, you know, who's especially studying uh, sort of the metaphysical aspects of it because so many people have taken away what is sort of regarded as their nature. Their Native American spirituality and written books about it, and you know, just stolen from the cultures. So they do test you with a great sense of humour, you know, sort of like from just just the stories, the storytelling.
0: Wait but, to you know, see what you'll what believe. <laughs> to see
1: exactly, ah. see how gullible you are, <laughs> and then you know these uh, these crazy stories, which you know it's like. It, you have to really be tuned into your intuition. And I can see a peop- lot of people being gullible and sort of believing every single word of it. But, you know, I was calling them out on it. And because of that, I got accepted. And so sort of that, that sort of led to some, again, very interesting experiences, like being the only non-native at Lakota-Dakota Language Summit one year. And with this crazy scenario playing out with someone who was... Going to present himself as white a reincarnation of white buffalo calf woman, and it's like crazy. I mean, it's a long. Th- that's just a story in its own. It's like
0: <laughs> maybe we'll save that but for but another podcast. <laughs> I know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's again the stories are just amazing. You know, the, exp- the experiences. You know, the, and that's what it was. The experiences and very magical, and it sort of taught me a lot about this. You know, sort of how 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 not only reality is held together, but how we can have an influence over that.
0: So. How'd you end up in Sedona?
1: Um, I'd been up on the Hopi reservation for about six weeks, sleeping in a three foot six kid's bed. And then a great friend of ours, who's still around here in Sedona, this is about 13, 14 years ago. Sakina turned up at this house I was staying at, never met her. She was visiting her adopted Hopi daughter. And she sort of looked at me and said, I'm going to take you to Sedona. At that point, I'd never heard of Sedona. Um, and I just packed my suitcases and got dropped off at a hotel. White House Inn. I know. I
0: know the White <laughs> yeah. House Inn. Sorry, yeah. right in the middle of town.
1: <laughs> yeah, 13 years ago. And it's like, here I still am.
0: That seems to be like the Ellis Island of Sedona. Because the same thing for me. I mean, I've been coming here since I was a little kid, you know. But um, it's always been a part of my life. But when I actually left New York City to move here, that's where I stayed. The really? yeah. And I've heard many people, many people say that. I mean, things are different now. We have all the Airbnbs. We have so many timeshare yeah. and stuff. But there wasn't much here at that time. That's true. And so it was a. Uh, that was like the easiest place, <laughs> the drop-off point. Seriously, it's the Ellis Island. Of Sedona. That's where all the immigrants come through.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, and here we are. You see. So, so
0: then, so then, yeah. you've you've been in Sedona for a while, and how how has it been for you? I mean, what did you start off doing, and how did you end uh, um, up with this amazing studio? Oh
1: yeah, I mean, the, the, again, there's a lot of stories that go in there, but um, you know, sort of, I had no intention of actually living in America or being in America. It's just a series of. of Circumstances that followed one another. as staying in hotels for months and spending loads of money and hiring cars, and it got to a point I realized I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> 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 it's like, and this is getting ridiculous, you know, I've been spending all this money on just being in a hotel. So that's where I actually got a room here, and then that room led to a house, and then that led to an amazing property down in Page Springs with five and a half acres and a pond and we we were holding ceremony down there for three years around about 2012 um, and so that was again another great experience of just all these amazing people coming in um, and sort of yeah having having good time down there and I was sort of immigration is a big thing. You ha- you, I mean, you have to pay it, play it buy the book, and again, a series of circumstances just opened up and helped me here, and you know, got my green card, which I still have. I've had to, I, in fact, I lost it once, after it four or five years have run out of it, replaced it, and it's got another ten years on it. So it's like the universe is saying, "Yeah, this is where you should be." Mm-hmm. So here I am, and you know, sort of the studio came about. And this is the part. Um, Sort of within the mysticism and stuff, I've always wanted to, and lots of people ask me about the UK and sort of the myth, especially the sort of King Arthur and the Camelot and all that. So I was putting together to do some tours and taking people to the UK and took my lovely partner Nicole. We went three years ago to do the journey together because we were going to co host it just pr- pre COVID. And so we did this beautiful trip across the south of England, and then we went out to Scotland to do some of my favorite places up on the West Stars And in between, we're staying with my sister, and that, that's another big key to what's created here. Um, I, I, ha- having been in Sedona for all those years, I sort of stepped into service through my experience. I was like, for years, I was a student of the metaphysics, and sort of helped heal myself through my t- my, what, I, what I've been learning from all these beautiful teachers and um, unintentionally what happened I actually sort of graduated and became a teacher and people started coming to me for advice and help and so I, I, before I knew it, I was like doing my own workshops and helping people because I could help people especially if they had addictions or any problems because I've been through the experience myself. And I think that's the best way any of us can help anybody. It's not about the intellect and reading loads of books and this is how you or do it. Or having a degree. <coughs> or a degree. It's like if you haven't had the experience, all you're doing again is teaching from you know, the intellect rather than the, the, having that the journey, personal journey oneself. So I was, I was able to help a lot of people. Which never was a business for me, I was doing it could I could. In the meantime I was like still into my photography, but doing very much abstract nature photography. And while staying with my sister, she said to me, Oh, I have a box of yours in the closet and I had no idea what it was. And when I pulled it out It was a selection of my fashion and beauty photography, which I thought I burnt it all. And so it's quite fascinating to look at it and think, okay, I'm going to send this back over to America. And it arrived, and I went through the process, it all being transparency, to digitalize some of it. And in that process, it sort of made me realize, oh my goodness, is this a massive part of my life I have been ignoring and not honoring You know, it's like looking at the pictures is obviously good at what I was doing. Uh, You know, I was a master of the art and that's why I was doing, you know, working with big clients. And it it sort of made me realize, oh my goodness, I've been totally ignoring this because of the trauma associated still with the experience. And it wasn't
0: even like you had a bad experience in fashion. It was that your life took a turn because of an accident that left you disabled basically not yep. just physically but left you disabled emotionally and spiritually yep. and yep. you as associated that with your entire life
1: yep yeah and that, and that that was a big key again, again you know the healing process from that point from all the medication has taken years you know and i've been working really hard on it but still you know there's brain fog from um, you know what ended up as ten years on hard opiates, you know th- there's a great documentary out there, "Medicating Normal," <coughs> which uh, I really resonated. There's lots of people having a similar story, and some of those people were telling their stories. <coughs> Excuse me, they, they'd only been on the medication for six months, yet they were finding it hard to operate in the world so yeah um it's interesting you know sort of the realization at that point of seeing the pictures it's like this is a big part of healing that i still need to do for myself is like to acknowledge all that experience and hence that was the moment of like the aha moment it's like oh my goodness i'm in sedona I'm a photographer. I've got all this background and experience. You know, I've been doing this nice and beautiful abstract art photography. I want to get back into photographing people. And within that, as a creative and then as an artist, it was sort of <coughs> wasn't the idea of like just taking portraits. Is like okay, I can do it, but it's not really what I want to do. I want to get more creative with this. What can I do? And I always loved the idea of fantasy and fairy tale and here we are in Sedona so I came up with the concept yeah I'm going to do experiences which were actually sort of sort of a, a escapism and you know see how far we can take this and you know, sort of and at that, that point we just got into COVID and sort of I started shopping around, I think, okay, I'm doing fancy, I need to get a wardrobe together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's amazing, it's like having this idea, okay, let's get some nice ball gowns and stuff to start off the wardrobe. And then all of a sudden realized, oh my God, these things are so cheap. <laughs> and they were so cheap because COVID, nobody, was, nobody was wearing a ball gown and it was the beginning so everybody was like didn't know where it was going and what was going on and so all of a sudden all these ball gowns have been dumped onto the secondhand market and it's like so i started buying one and twos and threes and i got addicted <laughs> <laughs> as you know that's your new
0: addiction <laughs> yeah, it ball is. gowns. it is and i and and people can't see this because it's just a podcast but when you walk into this space there are there's every color of the rainbow every fluff every satin every gem every bow that you can imagine and it's so much fun and it's not just the the dresses that you have you have flowers and Wigs and crowns, feathers,
1: butterflies, feathers, butterflies. Yes, (laughs) yes. glitter, (laughs) glitter. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a velvet and lace, and yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing how it all came together. It really is, and and it's it's a beautiful space. Yeah, and I mean, you know, from the couches to everything, it's all been supported all the way through, and it's like so concept. um Beginning of COVID, then it was a case of shooting content. Um, which went really well and got to the point where consistency, which is so important, you know, it's like you, you have to make sure that every single shoot is to a very high standard. <coughs> and so we got the content. Um, not only photographically, but as you say, sort of from accessories to everything that you can imagine to build. So it's not just putting someone in a dress and, you know, taking their picture. There's so much more that goes into accessorizing. We've got the wigs, we, you know, we, and, and we build the sets. And
0: that's, that's just like. the physical part. Yeah. Because the experience with you is not just about playing dress up and looking like a fairy princess or a warrior goddess or anything. It's the, it's, it's the way that you... Assist. It's like you're um, a beauty, inner beauty doula, or a midwife of sorts, mid husband. I'm not sure how that works. You you literally help women to birth this side of themselves that they may that that's within them, but maybe they've never seen or really had an opportunity to experience. And that's huge because I worked with a lot of photographers who had sort of a lecherous kind of feel about them to say the least and it was it was the worst part of being a model when I was young and you don't you don't do I felt so safe I felt held um in a in a way that that I could it wasn't easy and I and again I have a lot of experience in front of the camera but it was still a little challenging to allow that side of myself out also because i'm older and it's you know it's not the same to play when you get older but you have a way
1: yeah which is years of experience and not just in one field it's like from working with young models you know sort of you have to be in your integrity especially working with women because women uh, are very intuitive and so they they can sense thoughts and things so you have to have to be in your highest integrity to have the confidence for them to feel safe so they open up to the camera and that's that is an art and it's and it's amazing and you've seen some of the content it's like that like the cambodia trip i did with the children it's like you've got these like five six year olds upwards and they're just opening their souls to the camera they feel safe the young models feel safe and you have to have to do that but also it's helped by the fact that i've had that experience of self-empowerment workshops, <laughs> which ninety-nine percent of the people that turn up are women, and that's not the way it's advertised. it's just sadly, you know, th- where we're at, the women seem to be doing more work or willing to do the work than the men. Um, so, you know, it had lo- lots of experience of holding that space and sort of so you what's the beauty of the project and what's created here it's bringing all aspects of my ex- life's experience from the art the creativity the music the color the sound therapy you know everything has come together and it's like that's magic of the whole experience for people because you're supporting the psychology you're working with oracle cards you're getting to issues where people may be not accepting themselves or willing to express themselves because of the concepts of beauty which are outside you know it's outside conditioning of like sort of this manufactured beauty that we should look like this it's loosening up now and it's like it's good to see that there's a lot of fashion houses uh, it's not just skinny beautiful young girls they're using all sizes so, and that's great to see that <clears throat> but that's also it's nice to be able to have you know my dresses go from we've had a 6 year old in here to a size 26 woman and you know sort of there's choice and yeah. all ages For all ages and that's very important because of what i'm doing is is it all about empowerment and so it's like i would wouldn't want to be in a situation where i'd have to turn someone away and say oh sorry i haven't got anything that's will fit you or you know is suitable. Right. And not only do i have it i have choice it's not like here's your dress it's like come in go and play in the dressing up room it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: overwhelming, like, actually, the first time. I was like, they're so pity and they don't know where to start, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, remember I picked out like 10 dresses.
1: I know. <laughs> but I, And again, that's all part of the experience of, of getting people excited and confident before the shoot. So, we, we, you know, we have an open sort of evening where the clients come in and they dress up they just play dress up they pick out their dresses and their colors and their, and they look amazing in them and that, that gives them confidence and sort of then you you work on sort of any areas where maybe they're not confident and get them excited and then once i see the colors i build the set <laughs> which is based around that and by the time they come in for the shoot they're excited and they want to get in front of the camera you put on the music you get the energy going and it's not just stand there you know look pretty as you know yeah (laughs) yeah you know you're dancing around with a (laughs) sweat i I
0: danced i had i i mean i did the music was so much fun we had the fan going and stephen has all of his little things that like he decorates and makes this set and and it doesn't it may not make sense when you're in front of the camera you just trust I trusted you because I know you know what you're doing and the final product it's like oh that's why that was there and this was here and oh look how beautiful that is and the effects that you put in and and also um the makeup
1: yeah 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 so which is, which is an important I mean it's like again having the background in fashion and beauty it's like it's important there's a very different having makeup for photography than it is say for your wedding <coughs> you know the different products you don't want to shine you want to blend it and you know, c- especially with the digital cameras these days they're so sharp which is like ridiculously sharp. And I actually sort of have to soften things down because it freaks some clients out. It's like, oh, my God, look at that wrinkle. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> other clients, they, they accept it. You know? I can relate. <laughs> oh, can you make that part go away?
0: <laughs> can you make this look a little better?
1: Anything is possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the magic.
1: Exactly. And it, yeah. and it really is
0: the art of beauty. It really is. But it's it's the beauty within that yep. you manage to pull out yep. and and highlight, and it's very empowering for the women who are in front of the camera. But you've take, you you also include men.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like open it up. It's children, men, couples. You know, it's romanticism, and it's like there's you know again, it's like there's there's no boundaries. There's no judgment on. Yeah, you know, we we're, we're, we're all beautiful.
0: And you've had, you've had groups of ladies come in.
1: That's one of my favorite uh, to share the experiences, to do the girlfriend groups, whether it be for birthdays, retreat groups, or...
0: a bachelorette party, bridal shower. As long as it's
1: not too big, you know, six to eight people. Six is probably a great number because the girlfriends all get together and giggles. And I mean, it's so much fun. It's so much fun doing the groups. And, uh, you know, is yeah. And, that and it also for the clients, because of the amount of work that goes into a shoot, it's not cheap for an individual because you do your pre-shoot meetings, you do your dressing up, you do the shoot, then there's post-production where the extra sparkly magic gets put on the pictures. So for one person, that's a lot of work. You know, <coughs> but when you break it up into girlfriends, whether it be two, three, four, mm-hmm. you know, it makes it more accessible for people financially which is great
0: it's great because you can do mothers and daughters yep. and sisters you can you know yep. there's it's endless you can get grandmother in here yep or great-grandmother and do generations and have them just in the because you do it's 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 fantastical it's very um magical like the fairy tale is like uh, almost an understatement you know
1: it is very magical but as you were saying, you know, during your shoot, it's like there's, there is real magic going on. You you saying I feel high. <laughs> yeah. I did. I <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, just on the experience.
0: I felt very um, euphoric. Yeah. Like almost in an altered state. And and I and honestly, it felt like like is this me? Is this really happening? It and, yeah. it, and it wasn't about the shoot. It wasn't about the photographs. It wasn't about that. It was about the feeling that was coming up of of, and i'm and i can i can feign confidence and then there are times when confidence is absolutely real for me and it was a new kind of confidence that i didn't realize i had um and i i guess you know that's part of the magic
1: it is it is and it, and it', and it is, for me it's like every shoot is different but there is a, definitely a lot of magic going on it's like i have clients of some of the uh like um i'm not gonna mention names but i was shooting this lady and she was a mature lady and she started dancing around and having fun and then she sort of just all of a sudden physically appeared to drop 20 or 30 years in age in front of me and in front of the camera and it actually came out the camera it's like she looks oh my god she looks so young yeah (laughs) but it's a transformation through the experience and i think a lot of that is you know awaken that goddess within is actually releasing that inner beauty and having that confidence to express it and so and that for all of us you know is like it, it puts us in us high, our highest light and then to capture that i think capture the moment a
0: big piece of what you capture though is also what you do pre-production in your conversations yep. with your clients because you hold um a space as a mystic as a as a almost as a therapist as a a seer of what's really within the the woman that's in front of you and you have a very um how would you say um it's very gentle it's very gentle but it's also very real very tangible, what you pull out of a woman and it's not painful. It's, it's like I said, it's like a birthing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a birthing process. And you, you help to create that space, not just in the physical space of the studio, but like mentally, emotionally, you prepare your client and that's why it's empowering for the person who's 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 the model who's the who's having the experience in front of the camera because that that i would have to say that that's what came through for me and that was why it was such a different experience than with other photographers that i've you know done fashion whatnot for
1: yeah there's a lot going on and it's and that that's a blessing again of doing the coaching work (laughs) And within that coaching work is self-empowerment and it's like, yes, uh, as an intuitive, I can read people, but again, it's not for me to tell them my perceptions of their reality. I can see it or sense it. It's for me to get them to see it for themselves and then it becomes their own truth and not my perception of their truth so there's a bit of that kind of magic going on as well that you they pull the card you read into and sort of sense what's going on for them but there's a lot of unspoken Mm -hmm. aspects to that it's Mm -hmm. like yes I sense this so how do we work with this without it being obvious but still creating that positive outcome
0: that's what I mean you have a very gentle way of, of bringing it out Forward, and I had a blast, and I love my pictures. I love them so much, and I'm so excited for other women to have the experience when they come to Sedona, and for our Sedona locals too. As you yep. know, like me, there's plenty of us that that know you and love you, um, but that love and magic has a lot more population to uh, to affect. And I'm really glad that you could spend some time and connect with us today. And
1: absolute pleasure. It's as really always and yeah, uh, and I love inviting people down to the studio just to see, you know, curious or uncurious. Oh, what's going on there then? The beautyphotography dot com is the website. It's Metamorphis Photographic Studio, which is in Redcliffs Plaza next door to Picasso's. And yeah, after 18 years of resistance, I've just started doing social media, and opened up a Facebook page. It's like amazing. 18 years it took me, but (laughs) I know now now I'm there, and everybody's gone. They've gone somewhere (laughs) else, you know. But I, I, I'm sort of getting people working on that because it's just important to share what's going on. But
0: people can find you on LinkedIn.
1: LinkedIn, yeah, I've been on there professionally, uh, sort of for years so that's a, but that's not really kept up to date with content of the photography but i'm there um, and i do have an instagram but i still need to find someone to manage that for me because i don't have the time to get sucked into that world too too heavily but i would love to sort of be able to share <coughs> again sort of what's going on here with more people so they can have that experience so
0: but they can find you if somebody wants to connect even professionally on linkedin
1: linkedin or the website has got a contact page and also the website is obviously a place where you can see a lot of the content and
0: you're on alignable too
1: alignable local and
0: that's as Stephen henderson Stephen henderson all right so com, and you can find Stephen henderson and metaphor metamorphosis studios you can just google it if you but we'll have it in the show notes so that you can click on and, and go straight to his website if you like and connect with Stephen and set up your own appointment and Come in and experience the magic.
1: Yeah, and just come and visit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's no commitment. It's like I l- just love letting people come in here. And some cases, you know, if they're not busy, they can go in and put some dresses on, which normally happens because they want to. As soon as they walk through the door. But that's just you know uh, just a way of sharing.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Stephen. I'm
1: Absolute pleasure. I really appreciate me. Oh, it
0: was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. This is what it's about, is sharing with people the heart of Sedona, those of us who really are um, making changes within ourselves and then yep. helping others to make those transformations that they want make this world a better place. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us today on Our Evolution. We hope you enjoyed what you heard and found some inspiration towards your self-transformation. Check out the show notes for information related to today's topics. And if our vibe resonates with you, we'd love a review on whatever platform it is you're hearing us on today. Share this podcast with your community and on social media so the heart of Sedona can reach others who would benefit. And remember, our evolution is a revolution, a revolution of love.